0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Psalms chapter 139. So just a little bit of a background on this psalm. David wrote this song, and it's probably towards the end of his life when he's reflecting on what has, what His life was all about, right? And so, you know, David came on a scene in the Bible. He was just a young boy. He was out just doing what young men or young boys do during that time, just, you know, working for the family, taking care of the sheep, watching them, you know, out in the fields, out and about. He was just minding his own business and just living life and probably really enjoying life, like being outdoors with his animals and He probably had a great time. And then God has a specific plan for David. God called David to be a great man after God's own heart. And that was amazing. And so, and then David, you know, he had the relationship with Saul and uh, he killed Goliath, the giant that, uh, you know, all the men of Israel were scared of. And God chose this little boy. He went out there. He was like, man, I go against lions and bears and all those animals. I can surely attack this guy. And, and the confidence he had was not in himself but in the Lord and what he's done in him in the past, right? So he goes out there and kills Goliath. And then, and then he's anointed to be the king, but he wasn't the king because Saul was still there. And so Saul had chased them because of jealousy, because of his pride. Saul didn't want to let go of the throne. And here's David running away. And David did a bunch of good things, but he also messed up. He really messed up. Like he killed a person just out of he wants, he wants this guy's wife. And he goes out and plans this premeditated murder, is what we call it in the States today. He plans it out. He's like, I'm going to have his wife, and I'm going to make a plan to take his wife, and I'm going to murder this guy. And we all know that story. And so, and then he goes into that, and then not only that, he has many wives, he has many concubines, and this is a man after God's own heart. This is just to encourage us today that we are never too far from God. Right? We are never too far from God. Just think about your year this year. We're heading into December, heading towards the end of the year. And I'm just reflecting on my year and what's happening. Man, what a what a crazy year. What a crazy year. My daughter got married. What a crazy year. I wasn't expecting that, but she did. And we support her. And I was like, but it's been a crazy year. The COVID situation, people getting sick, people dying. There's there's been uh people that we know, that I know personally, that have passed away. I mean, not like one or two, like, you know, ten people I can just think about. And it's been it's been crazy, but God has been there through it all. And in this psalm, we're gonna learn about that. And so This is actually a psalm towards the end. This, You know, this psalm was penned by David toward the end of his life. And right here, he's reflecting on all the choices that he's made, the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, he's been close to God, right near to God. And then he's been very far from God because of his sin situation. But through it out, David pens this psalm, and it's a beautiful psalm. It's a very well-known psalm. Like, there's a few scriptures out here that is quoted and it's penned and, you know, people send it on Facebook and, you know, they blast it everywhere. But do they really understand what it means? So this is about David and his relationship with God. You know, the prayer and, you know, David is the writer of this psalm and we're going to see that. And we're going to see, and I actually broke this down into four parts. We're going to see that God is... Omniscient he, that he knows all things right he knows every single thing about David and about you and me he 's omnipresent he can you know he 's everywhere like and we 're going to see that in his psalm and he 's omnipotent, he is powerful he 's all powerful you know when i I like to go in my profession you know i'm uh, i 'm in sales and I oversee accounts. And we have these things called GPS that we put on our vehicles, you know, and, we, and, and I have to go over there and find out where the car is at when we don't have contact with, with customers about them. And so I like to go on Google Maps, and it's, it's a GPS. I look at the history, and, and I look at the history, and I look at the driving habits, the behavior, you know, of these vehicles that are out there, you know, throughout Lubbock, throughout Texas, throughout this U.S., and I look at it and then I zoom out. You know, if I if they're local, you know, I could look at it. But if they're like, you know, in New Mexico or California or even in Canada, we have some vehicles up there. I zoom out and I look at the map and I'm like, wow, God is so amazing. And then I zoom out more and then you see the earth. I'm like, man, God is so amazing. You zoom out more than you see our galaxy. And then you zoom out more, you see multiple galaxies. And then you zoom out more, you see galaxies in galaxies that are in galaxies. And then you zoom out more, and then we don't know beyond space where, where everything's at. And I'm just thinking to myself, looking at this GPS, I'm like, man. And then you look at the Earth, and I'm like, man, the Earth is like a little speck. It's like, you know, when I'm at the beach, there's sand everywhere. Sand between your toes. When you get in the water, you get out. You know, you're trying to get rid of all the sand. We're like a piece of sand on the the ocean floor. If I pick up one piece of sand and I throw it, I wouldn't be able to go out there and find it. Right? And I think about how great and majestic God is. Think about your life. There are probably 7 billion people in this earth, on the earth. Think about the millions of people who die every single day. Where a speck, there's a speck of sand. Think about the billions of people in the earth and the millions of people who are dying every single day. And Psalm 139 tells us that that God takes into account every detail of our lives. Sometimes in our lives, we don't seem like we're significant or the choices that we make. It seems like life is so big that we can't, you know, that woe is me. Woe is my little life. And God says in uh, Psalm 139 that our life is in his hands He knows every detail about you and I. And as I was going through this psalm and as I was was preparing this message, I'm just amazed, continue to be amazed at how good and awesome God is. You think about the sand on the beach. You think about the universe and our universe and universe And then you think about the space. You just go out and look. We're fortunate we're here in West Texas. You can go out and just see the stars, and they're great and mighty. And the God who created all that stuff is concerned for you, concerned for me. It just blows me away. And that's what David wants us to understand as we go through this song. And then the psalm ends with a prayer in which David invites this all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God to search him so that he can be aware of the areas in his life where he needs to change. And I pray that as we come to the end of this message, that we ask God to search us. What areas of our lives do we need change, God? We don't want to be the same, right? We want to be changed into the image that God has for us. And David's prayer at the end of this psalm is he wants to be totally aligned to what God has for him. And I pray that we, as we complete this, are are wanting that as well. So if we go ahead and put it on the board there, Josh, we can read it. I broke this down into four parts, and the first one is God's omniscience. That's just a fancy word that theologians use. It means God knows all things. So let's read this. Psalm 139, 1 through 6, and this is the NIV. It says, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Look what David says first. Before he does anything, he says, God, you know me. How many people really know you? My wife knows me the best. And then there's things that she doesn't know me, know about me that only God knows, right? Think about your relationships in your life. How many people really know you? Sometimes in my life, I'm at work and I'm a different person because, you know, you're in a management position. But those employees, those people that I work with, they only know me in a certain way because of our relationship. They don't really know the true me. Like my wife knows me or my daughter knows me. What about in your case? Who really knows you? You know, we can come here to church and and we can do it in a way that uh, it just becomes a thing that we do, doesn't it? It's just like we show up just to show up because that's what we do. We go to church. And then when we show up, do I really know Kevin? I don't know Kevin more than Kevin's wife. His wife really knows Kevin. He knows how he snores, he knows his ups and downs, he knows his he knows what ticks him off, he knows what makes him happy, he knows his habits, but she doesn 't know Kevin like God knows Kevin. We allow people to know us only in a way that we want them to know us. We want to put the best foot forward in our relationships. For you to know me so that you would like me. And he says right here, God, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You know me. For those of us who are married, our spouses know us more than anyone else. They know, they know the sins that we committed in the past, in the present, and maybe in the future. They know our habits, right? They know us. But I confess to you today, there's things that my wife doesn't know about me that only God does. Because why? Why? There's things in my life that are shameful, that gives me guilt, that I'm not, I won't discuss it with anyone else. You know, there's men's conference, men's uh, uh, fellowship, men's discipleship, that men get together with other men and they truly talk about things that are difficult for them. Let's think about David. What did David struggle with? Lust. Women, power, pride. These are all things that men struggle with. And we all struggle with it differently. There's degrees that God heals us from that we come out of and that we're able to have a pure relationship with God, right? Pure Now, it doesn't benefit us when we show up here and we've lived a certain life, we've lived a certain sin. I'm talking to the men, and you know what that is. Throughout the week, and then we show up and try to be holy. Do other people really know us? Or do we put up a front, a face for other people to really, to like us? What David is saying here. That God, you really know me. In verse 4, it says, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Have you ever been in a conversation or been in a situation where something you thought about and you're trying to bring it to words and And you're just like, and you're having a conversation with somebody, and and the thought is there, but it hasn't come out yet. God knows that. Can you believe that? God knows we've already thought about it, and we're about to speak it, and it doesn't come out of our mouth because we can't put it into words. It says, the Bible says, God knows the words that we are thinking about that's about to come out of our mouth. In verse 5, it says, you hem me in behind and before me. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So that is amazing to me that God is so in love with us and so involved with us that he walks with us. Right? So... I'm going to call feathers up here. I'm just going to give an example. Feathers, can you come up here, please? Look at this verse, you guys. God says in verse 5, you hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. So this is us, right? This verse right here, stand right there. God is before you. God is behind you. Feather move forward. Where's God at? He's hemmed. Go ahead and move back. And wherever feathers goes, God is there. Ain't that amazing? Think about your year. Whatever experiences you've gone through this year, tough ones, physical ailments, God has walked with you. Right? Thank you, feathers. That verse, God hymns you in wherever you are. As you walk through life, something difficult happened. We don't feel that God's there. He's there with you. In a relationship that's broken, you don't feel that like, you feel like God has abandoned you. He's there. Do you trust him? That's what that verse is, guys. David says, you hem me in, God, behind and before me. You have laid your hand upon me. That's the first thing David recognizes about God is that he knows everything so that he cannot hide from God. Ain't it silly for us as Christians, as as believers, we try to hide things from God when he already knows it? He knows your struggles. He knows your strongholds. You can't hide from him. We can hide from each other. But you can't, you and I can't hide from him. Listen, there are strongholds that we struggle with committed to God. God, I struggle in this area. Please help me. And you know what? Overwhelmingly, every single 110% of the time, he will deliver you from it. Why? Because I know drug addicts, I know people who struggle with vices of this world. Alcoholism, drugs, I don't care what it is. God comes into their life and they are delivered. They are delivered. Secondly, David knows that there is nowhere to escape from God. God's omnipresence, verses 7 to 12 God can be found everywhere. God can be found everywhere, 7 to 12. And this is what David realizes. Where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence, God? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. David realizes that God is found everywhere. His omnipresence. Ain't that amazing? It's like God is everywhere. Just like when feathers moved, he was with the feathers. Every single time he's with you and me. God is everywhere. And that should encourage us that if God is everywhere and that when you are alone, when I am alone, he is there with us. The most tempting times, I believe, for a believer is when you're alone. Why? Because your thoughts, the enemy is smart. He knows what you struggle with, and when you're alone, given to your thoughts, he can bring up the past, things that you've struggled with, that you failed with, and he'll just fire those thoughts all day long until you, until you, you have the choice either to give in to the thoughts or to say, What I do is, I'm like, God, these fiery darts have no effect on my life. You take them. My thoughts, God, renew my mind right now. It's amazing that God empowers you and I to change the way that we think because he knows that our thoughts will eventually lead us into actions. Actions for or against God. And when you're alone as a believer, and you're not surrounded by other Christians, you know, I, I, under, I understand that. Some, I hear some people say that, well, I don't need nobody else but God. Really. You realize God has a family? <laughs> you realize God Is in three. He's never alone. We need that relationship with one another, right? As Christians, we need it. You know, in the past, when I'm away from church, when I'm away from, you know, God's people or His his Spirit, it's very easy for me to fail and to fall because the enemy puts those thoughts in your head And if you're not around and being accountable to other believers, it's very easy for you to choose the wrong thing. David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You know, we have monks that are like, they don't want to be involved anywhere near sin. You know, people who take spirituality at a whole new level, they're like... I'm going to go into the mountains and I'm going to be a monk. That way I'll never sin. They're, they're alone there and who? And just think of the religions that have come out of that thinking. New age. All the different religions that have come out because why? This is why. You've gone out and you've disregarded God and you've created your own God. And now you're worshiping yourself. It's like, I'm going to go out and do, oh, yeah, you're just worshiping yourself. And David says, where am I going to go, God? You are everywhere. In verse 12, it says, even in the darkness, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. You know what's dark to us as, as people in general, as believers? Our future is dark. I don't mean dark like bad, which is not getting any better. I mean dark like we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. That's dark to us. But God says right here, God is already there. He knows exactly what's going to take place. Darkness is just the absence of light. There's light in there. It's just so minute we can't find it yet. And God says, I am everywhere with you. I'm in your future. I'm here now with you. I'm in the struggle that you struggle with. I'm there. Man, this message really hits home for me. I don't I don't know if it ministers to you, but it ministers to me even right now as the Holy Spirit is allowing me to teach this. Verses thirteen to eighteen. The third thing is David was aware. Of how mighty God is, of how powerful his is he is, his omnipotence, verses thirteen and eighteen, He can do all things, God can do all things, so this is what David writes: God, for you, created me in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, and you know in the United States. Abortion is just like is it's it's just like oh okay you said you messed up don't worry about it just go go ahead and go get an import, abortion but right here God said we are created He's created us even before a male. And a female get together, and that's why I say a male and a female. Not no but for you created my inmost being, you knit me together my mother's room. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Ain't that amazing? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And sometimes we ask people, we can be like, God, why'd you make me like this? And sometimes I get like that, I'm like, God, man, if I was just 6'5", about 300 pounds... Or, God, if I was like 6'9", like LeBron James, I would be in the NBA. Just think how glorious that would be, God. I would dunk for you, make all this money and give it to your kingdom. I don't know what it is, what's different for each one of us. Or, God, if I was fit. But God says right here, 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David says, God, I have nothing to complain about. I am what I am because you are who you are. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of us are in here and we struggle with how we see ourselves, right? But God's saying to you this morning, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And David says, I know that full well. Just my relationship with you, God, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Isn't God good? He is our creator. He made us for himself. He made us for a purpose, right? Do we all have a purpose in here? In the light of God's great love, what is meant to be, was was meant to be our response to him. For King David, the experience of God's love made him committed to serve God throughout his life. David realized that How small he was and how great God is. And that encouraged him to live his life for God. God can do all things. In this life we have, it's God's life. You're a steward of it. Everything we have our health, our money, our talents, You as a person, it was all given to us by God. And how do we love him with that? We live our lives according to the scriptures. That's how we please God. We live our lives according to the scriptures, right? We call sin for what it is, sin. When God says don't do something, we don't do it. We don't play around with it. We just simply choose the right thing. This much sounds like when I have talks with my daughter when she was younger. When she messes up. You know, I would sit her down and I would tell her, give her my dad lecture. You have a brain, use it. God gave us brains, Right? God gave us wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, ask for it. God says, you want wisdom? Ask me in James. The reason why you don't have wisdom and knowledge is because you never asked for it. You want to be a loving person? Ask for it. God, show me my faults. Show me where I fall short on. Show me where I can improve my love for you and love others. God is the creator. He made us for himself. And I know Pastor Ben is going through, we're actually going through a series in Psalms, and I'm pretty sure he's going to cover this, cover this Psalm because it's a, you know, it's probably one of the well-known Psalms in in the book of Psalms. And so I'm just giving you a snippet from like we're flying in the air and we're a 1,000 feet high and we're looking down and we're seeing Lubbock and we just pass by Lubbock. We come to New Mexico. We're, we're getting that point of view. But I'm pretty sure once we get into this, there's a lot more he's going to cover in it. And then the then the next thing, and then we go to the next verses here, if you have that slide up. And this is David's response. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's why David is known as a man after God's own heart. This right here, that could be a great prayer to pray, right? Because sometimes when we walk in this life as believers, we think we're all right with God. We haven't sinned, we haven't done anybody wrong, and we're just walking, and we think we're okay with God. I go to church, I do my prayers, I'm in Bible study. This prayer here says, search me, God, and know my heart. The Bible teaches that the heart is deceitful and wicked and leave it to our own hearts. That's who we are. Until God comes in and changes our heart, he changes everything about it. Our motives, our attitudes, all the struggles nobody else sees. But God and you and I know about he changes those things. And David's saying, God, I've walked with you this many years. I've been with you, but God, I'm in a place where I think I'm okay, but I want to pray this prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. God, expose my heart to myself. Because you know my heart better than me. I think I'm okay. I think I'm living a good life, but God, I don't want to do church just because I'm doing church, just because it's a routine thing and it makes me feel good. God, search my heart. And then he prays, test me and know my thoughts. God, test me. What are, test me in my thinking. Am I thinking the right things? Is my heart in the right place? And this is a man who's been walking with God for years and years. And he comes back to this and he pens this because he knows himself. You know yourself. I know myself. That's a good prayer to pray. When you think you're okay with God, which you are because of Jesus. But we come into a place where we're so, we're we're just living life. We go to church, we pray, we do our Bible studies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a good prayer for us as people who are striving to walk in holiness and purity with God. That's a good prayer to pray when you're a young person because you think you have all this time before you. That way you can get God's leading in your life. That the Holy Spirit guides you in the right path. Guides you in the right relationships. Nothing is hidden from God. He knows all things. He knows all the things that have made us what we are. God knows you intimately this morning. He knows the damage that we have caused to others. Right? Think about your relationships. By the time I was a Christian, on to now, of all the, even before then, all the relationships I've had, all All the mess-ups that I've caused, all the hurt, all the pain of all the people that I came in contact with that I've caused pain to, God says he knows all that. He knows the things that we have said and done that have harmed us and others. He knows the inner attitudes we have that are destructive to our human relationships. He knows it all, guys. There's some of us holding on to things this morning that we haven't really released, that we really haven't allowed God to come in and really heal us from. You know, there's relationships in my life that are still broken. I mean... To me, it's like damage beyond what anybody or anything that I can do. I just trust God in it. Trust that God's going to work everything out for his glory because he loves that person and he loves me and he has a plan. David here comes with an openness to God that God might search him. He wants to be all that God wants wants him to be. Isn't that what we strive to be? God, I want everything you want me to be. I want to be God. And sometimes we don't know those things, and he slowly guides us and directs us and leads us to the right path. He wants us to be all that God wants us to be. If we're carrying anxiety, which is stress, That's just an indicative of a lack of trust in God. And David wants God to reveal it to him so that he can be rid of all the stress, all the worries, and be more useful as a man or a woman of God. There's things that we worry about that we are just anxious over That we're trying to hold on to those things, and God is saying, I know all those things. Bring it to me. I have healing for you. David realizes that he has areas in his life that are offensive to God. He wants God to show him so that he might repent of them and be changed. Isn't that what we want also? God, show me my heart. Show me my attitude. Show me my motives. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any wicked or hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. So, this life is hard, it's difficult, it's not easy. Who really knows you? That's a tough question, right? Who really knows you? And what we just learned here in Psalm 139 is God knows you. God knows you. My wife knows me, and she's the, she's the one person that knows all my ins and outs and my faults. But God knows me intimately more than my wife knows me. And I think as an encouragement for us and for you who are married, we should allow each other to know each other better, right? There's things that my wife doesn't know about. because it brings pain, it's difficult to talk about, and I'm being real with you guys here. There's things you don't know about me that's difficult, that's hard. God knows it. There's things about you that I don't know. There's past relationships that you've broken, that you've hurt. God knows it. And I think my message, to put all this in a nutshell, I think what I'm trying to say is, let's be real with God, right? Let's be real with God. When we are real with God, we become more real in our relationships here on earth. And when we do that, that's a genuine relationship. You know, there's a saying in our household, because, man, I hate fake, fake people, fake stuff. Unless they're cheap fake stuff, then... But, you know, there's a saying that in our family, like, and I've heard of this from way back, even be- when I was a heathen and sinner, and, and it's the same, I'll oh, just be real. And it's like, if you're, you know, you're out there as a young guy, and you look at, you know, and you look at um, people who are from the street that are really street gangbangers and you know, you, you go around those people and like, and then you come to pretend people who are tough. And then you look at them and you're like, man, that guy's a poser. That means he's just a pretender. He's a pretender. He's not the real, genuine article. And I'm telling you guys this and I'm encouraging you let's not be posers. Let's not be pretenders. Even though there's not many people in here, I think God has a message specifically for you and I to be real, to be genuine, not to be fake people, fake Christians who walk around with a smile all the time. When you're around me and you really know me, you know when I'm like flustered with something. We just have to be real with our relationships. I don't want to come in here on a Sunday and be a poser or be a pretender. I want to come in here and have real relationship with you guys. And if there's things that we struggle with, let's be real with one another. Kevin, am I right? If Kevin is having a rough time, the last thing I want Kevin to do is come to the church. He's been having a rough time throughout the week, come to church and be a poser and then just leave and he's still posing. We don't know the true Kevin. We don't know the true, exper- uh, the true things he's going through because he's pretending and now we're involved in all that pretendness. I want to be real with you guys. And I believe that God wants to be real in your walks this morning. Let's not show up as a church and pretend that everything is okay. If you're struggling in your marriage, pull somebody aside. Come see me. I've been married. Oh, our anniversary is tomorrow. Twenty. Six, five years. (laughs) See that? I'm real. (laughs) Guys, if we are struggling, if you're in a marriage and you're struggling, I give you permission to pull me aside. I may not have the perfect marriage, but I've lived through some stuff that I can impart to you. Kevin, you lived through some stuff that you can impart to me. We've all lived through stuff that we can help each other with. It's no use for us as a church to show up, be posers. You've been hurting all week long. And we've been mad at God all week long. God, where are you at in this? God, where have you been in this? God, where are you at in my finances? And we've come and show up in church And we pose and we are pretenders towards one another and then we leave and we pretend the whole week we come in. Let's be real with one another. If you're struggling with something pull me aside or if I'm struggling with something I I give myself permission to go to Kevin or to go to any man in here hey brother pray for me this is what I'm going through. Because I don't want to live a Christian life being a poser, a pretender Where everything you see, I want you to see, and I don't want you to see all the faults, all the difficult, hard things. Because we have enough pastors who do that. We have enough pastors who think they can be behind a pulpit and their life looks glorious until something major happens, and then we really know what somebody's going through. I mean, I don't have to tell you. You can see it all over the news and whatnot. I'm no more spiritual because I have a title of a pastor than you are. You and I link up. I am I walk here, and I need God to be with me everywhere, him before, behind me. I'm not a, I'm, I'm, my spiritualness, I just, it's, it's, not, it's not this. It's not that. I'm here and you guys are down here. It's we're all here and Jesus is here. Aren't you glad you showed up this morning? Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit showed up in the message? I pray you were encouraged this morning. And the whole crux of the thing is, let's be real with one another. If we're hurting, pull somebody aside. Women, if you're hurting, if there's a specific thing you're going through, my wife Yvonne is right there. <laughs> she can pray with you. you. She can pray with any one of you guys. Feathers. I mean, I know we know each other, but do we really know each other? Let's be real in our relationship with God because he knows all things. He sees all things. He's all powerful. He can handle it. And in turn, we can be real with one another. Amen. Mel, you come up here. We're about to close. Let's pray and then Mel will close us out in a song. Father God, I just thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit in this message. Thank you for David as he penned this God, you used him, that we're able to read this even today after thousands of years and be encouraged by it. Thank you that you know us and that we don't have to be posers or we don't have to hide anything from you because it's silly for us to do that because you know all things. You see all the difficult times that we've gone through, God. You've seen our hurts and pains and God, in our relationships, God, I just pray, God, for myself that I would be real in my relationships. God, that this church, your church, that we would be authentic in our walks with you. Help us, God, if we are struggling, that we would just be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, to another brother or sister that just needs prayer and just encouragement, God. I pray, Father, that you would just help us in our relationships, God, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. Father, that you would continue to, to direct us and lead us in the way that glorifies you. I pray for my brothers and sisters, God. I pray that you fill us with knowledge and wisdom. God, as we live our lives, may we be real with it, and that you would be glorified. Father, I do pray for our body, God. I pray for all those who are sick, God. I pray that you would bring healing physically to every single person who's struggling right now. God, I thank you that life is a gift from you. And you've given us this gift, and we get to open it every single second that we're able to. God, we pray for the lost who are here in Lubbock, God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to, to bring people to yourself. We thank you, God, and we praise you. We honor you. We just want to say that we love you. Thank you that you know us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.